0: Welcome back to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Edwin Borras. I'm a medical analyst over at FantasyPoints.com. I'm on Twitter at FBInjuryDoc. And today we are with the fan favorite, the 1.01 of most people's Twitter follow, the nicest dude that you'll ever find. And one of the courteous, most courteous dudes that you'll ever find. He is Sam Wallace. He is at S Wallace underscore FF on Twitter. Go follow him, follow him. But he's definitely a fan favorite. He's constantly talking about being positive, staying positive. He's literally one of the hardest working writers. I know a lot of people say that about a lot of people, but a lot of writers in the industry. But Sam literally has put out. Like a million articles since he started over at Rotoviz, I was scrolling through his work. He's got five pages worth of an, in an author in an author page of articles that he's written, and he, the dude's just a beast. He's taken it down. Uh, and today we're going to talk about a few different things, some of the points, some backfields that he's talked about. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, a niche and how to grow on social media. Uh, it's sort of some some under the radar players that are going. But first, talk to us about. Sam Wallace. Sam Wallace please introduce yourself.
1: Well thank you for that uh, incredibly kind and humbling introduction. That was that was cool. It's always nice to hear when people have nice things to say about you but I mean hey when when you say you know I'm one of the hardest working people I got to throw that right back at you. I mean the amount of work that you do I mean all the things you have going on both in the industry and professionally you and I were just talking you just moved across the country. I mean all, all the work that I see you doing constantly and the insight you bring I mean that's that's super cool. So I, I admire that a lot. So I appreciate you having me on. It's going to be fun to chat about some football and just some other stuff.
0: Absolutely, man. I really appreciate that. It means a lot, but don't talk about me. Don't give me compliments. It's about you. Okay. So let's talk about you. How's your, how's your uh, Scott Fish roster looking, man? How's it shaping up?
1: It's, it's been fun. Um, this is my first ever Scott Fish Bowl. So this has been kind of a brand new experience for me. Um, I didn't really have a whole lot of a plan going in. I mean, I looked at some historical context of. You know, obviously I know the scoring setup changes every year, and this year it's uh, pretty skewed, you know, kind of for and against quarterback play. Um, So that's been kind of fun to see how the draft lays out, but I've just been kind of, you know, making every pick, you know, one pick at a time. I had a little bit of a plan going in, but yeah, in the Pokemon division, had the 103 spot for the draft and started off with Patrick Mahomes, so no complaints there, but yeah, we're in the 15th round right now. So starting to wind down. It's been kind of moving along pretty well. And there's a group chat going of all of us in this division. So that's been, it's been fun to kind of meet some new people and give each other a hard time and kind of pick on each other for the picks that they make and don't make. So yeah, it's been good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think that that's the best part is connecting is something that you touched on just a minute ago. Some of the people that I didn't, I didn't know in the industry and you sort of get to know them, like you said, they sort of, joke and tease each other about each other's picks and stuff like that the best part is sniping each other that's like Mm -hmm. one of the one of the most fun things to hear when you snipe somebody you're like oh at least i'm on the right track especially if it comes from someone sharp did did you know any of the people in your division
1: um i recognize some of the names you know just from kind of being in and around the industry people that i've talked to you know virtually before um there's a few people in here I don't know, which is always kind of fun. So it's been nice to get to know some people. But yeah, nobody that I knew super, super well. But just, you know, if you want to call them acquaintances and like, oh, hey, I recognize you. It's great to be in the league with you finally. So yeah, it's it's been good.
0: Yeah. How did you get in the Pokemon division, though? That's the real question.
1: Uh, you know there are probably
0: a million different people that got it. That, <laughs> that yeah, division. I mean,
1: and that's, that's so true. I think Scott posted um, like shortly after he sent out like, hey, you can kind of put in for a request for a division and for a draft slot. And I did it, like, right away. So I don't know if it's because I did it soon, um, if there was, like, oh, a timestamp on it. I have no cool. idea. But I saw that he posted out like, hey, here are, like, the top 10 divisions that people have put in, and Pokemon was near the top. I'm like, well, probably not going to get that one, so.
0: <laughs> and then you did. That's good.
1: I did, yeah. yeah a- I'm, I'm happy Happy with my draft spot, too. So I was kind of hoping for something in the top, you know, five-ish. But, yeah, it's I, I got lucky both times. What
0: were you? What, what was your draft spot?
1: Uh, 103, and that's what I requested, so
0: ah nice dude i'm an idiot i didn't put in a request for a draft spot and i was 12 i think Oof. that they probably he. and i don't blame the guy i mean that's tough to do so many entries but he looked he probably looked at everybody that said no preference cool you're automatically 10 11 or 12 so or i was i wasn't 12 i shouldn't say it. i was 11 so
1: oh the so turn though that's i mean i don't mind the early turn but yeah i don't know that could be a whole other topic
0: yeah definitely absolutely but staying on the topic of fantasy football Let's uh, talk about a little bit about your growth because I was looking at your profile, right? Mm -hmm. And you're, dude, you're on the rise. You are a rising star. You're already a star and you're pushing to get even bigger. Uh, You actually just, and I don't know if this, this, is this right? I think the last time I looked, you started basically this fantasy football Twitter account uh, essentially last July, right? So it's been about a year.
1: Yeah, that is correct. Um, I'd had just like a personal kind of personal slash professional Twitter account that I'd use just, you know, on my own, just having a Twitter account like anybody else did. And then really early last summer, started just doing more fantasy football-related things on that account, um, interacting with people, just kind of chatting with people, kind of putting some of my own insights and thoughts out there into the community. And then when I officially kind of joined my first writing platform over at Dynasty Football Factory was last July. So coming up on about a year of that, I made a dedicated fantasy football account. Yeah. So it looks like, you know, this account is about a year old and that's about how long I've been into fantasy. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. I was actually just looking at it earlier this morning um, that it's been almost a year already in the industry officially, which has been super cool.
0: Dude, you're growing. You're like at seven thousand, six thousand, seven thousand 6,000, 7,000 followers at this point. And those are people who legitimately love the content that you put out. And I think you put out great stuff myself. So, Dude, congratulations on that. Thanks. It's crazy. To somebody who wants to grow, let's say somebody who's, is, you know, looking at, I mean, we're in the same position, right? You and I were in the same position about a year ago. Um, I like to say we're classmates in this uh, fantasy I like stuff. I like it. I like that. <laughs> what do you say to somebody that's, that's listening to this or uh, anywhere else and they say to themselves, I think I want to do that. I think I want to start, you know, uh, some sort of a uh, social media engagement type fantasy football type of thing. What do you, what would you say to them in terms of, you know, talking uh growing and and what the entire process should look like
1: it's funny you ask that because um I, I feel like i'm not in the position to be giving advice on that because i still feel so new so so often like i kind of look around the community with these like these new guy wide eyes at like all of these people that have been here for years and years and work at these great you know these great websites and do all these great um articles and content and analytics and film and all of these things and kind of like you said you know I, i've started to have people now like hey you know you've had a pretty good year you know you know what would you suggest and i was thinking of this a couple days ago actually i put out a tweet about this um for me the biggest thing that i found that was helpful um was just being consistent and that looks different to everybody and you know you can look at people and say you know we always kind of kind of loosely kind of joke and talk about the grind like, you know, I'm just grinding away at whatever it is. I'm pouring, pouring hours into it and, you know, sweat and tears, all of those things, whatever. And you know, you're just cranking out either content or interactions or podcasts or whatever it is. Um, but you know, I don't want anybody to kind of misconstrue that to say, well, if I have to make it, I have to put out X amount of articles. There's no like special benchmark where if you write this much, you podcast this much, at least in my experience, like there's no magic number to get to because the quality has to be there. But it's being consistent and being like a recognizable face or a recognizable profile on the platform. Cause you know as well as I do, like nobody really knows each other. I mean, we talk to each other on Twitter, but like face to face, like having a personal connection, you know, we kind of get that a little bit, but it's all virtual, it's all digital. So, you know, how do you create your own kind of digital footprint, if you will, of, People recognize you and say, "Oh yeah, I recognize that that Sam guy. He, you know, had good thoughts on you know this team or this player, and you know I had a really good conversation with him, and or I saw he put out a you know a good tweet about this stat that I found interesting." But it's just being around, and you know, obviously that is challenging for some people for sure. Like if you don't have the time dedicate to it, you're busy with work, you're busy with family. And for me, when I kind of started doing it, it was right after my school year I'd finished and I'm a high school teacher. So it was kind of like early last June. I was like, all right, done with the school year, kind of unwind a little bit. I mean, I love playing dynasty football, so I kind of want to try doing more of this, but yeah, I kind of keep coming back to that word consistent, but it's, you know, just do, do what you want to do and do what you can do, but do it regularly. And if that's once a week, a couple times a month whatever, but you know, people like, predictability they want to be able to know hey i know this guy puts out an article every so often or whatever but yeah just just be a name that people recognize and you know engage and just be respectful
0: i think that one of the you made a lot of great points there one the thing that stuck out to me is the consistency part i think you you hear all around in any industry any type of uh i don't know area where people try to grow and the number one issue is consistency I mean, and you can see it in your own life, right? I mean, you oh, even if you like a podcast even if, or, or, or an article or if you like something, you like to see consistency, right? So like even us, if we find a new podcast, whether it's in fantasy or not, we like to know when they're going to put out content. We like to know it's going to be there and we like to know exactly what we're going to get. And so put yourself in the shoes of the, of the person that's that's consuming whatever you want to put out in your audience member. And like I said, put yourself in, them, in their shoes and understand that you want to know that if you're going to be a dedicated fan, then you're going to be. You want to know exactly what's coming out and when. And uh, I like the, uh, and it's Twitter. I think we talk a lot about followers, etc. Um, but I think one of the one of the smartest things that one of my mentors in, in physical therapy actually said is he said I'd rather have uh, ten loyal, diehard followers, or, or you know mentees, whatever, than a thousand half-assed, in and out, not really committed fans. Mm-hmm. It's yep. like so huge because it, it, like you said, if, if you can be respectful, if you put out content consistently and if it's good quality content, you're going to get those die hard fans that are constantly going to be there regardless of, of what you do or when you put it out. And to build that base, I think it starts with all those things that you said.
1: Yeah, that's and great. one of the one of the first things I remember hearing when I, when I joined Rotoviz, um, kind of going through some of their, you know, introductory writing guide materials, kind of, you know, the onboarding process for new writers. And one of the things I remember reading a number of times in some of the, the reading material they gave me when I joined the team was um, something along the lines of, like, there's no better feeling than being a great teammate and just constantly supporting each other, you know, even within our own um, organization, And like, I'm part of like, you know, just a couple of like retweet groups where we kind of drop content in there and everyone in there just kind of retweets it for everybody else. And, and, and I get it at some point, you know, for a lot of people, it's, it's a passion that they have. It's kind of a side hobby. It's, Hey, I really like fantasy football and I podcast, you know, a couple times a year because it's something fun to do. And, and I understand that for some other people, it's a lot more than that, where it's a little bit more competitive and maybe somebody's making a living out of it or Really trying to kind of break into, you know, earning an income within the industry, which people are able to do. So I understand sometimes, you know, the competitive nature of, well, I don't want to give away too much of my work. I don't want to promote somebody else's work from another organization. And for me, I've just always done this for the community. Like for me, it's never really been about, well, I want to have X amount of followers or I want to have, you know, I want everyone to read my article or I want to start my own website or podcast. Like I write for a great, company. And I'm super grateful for that. But at least right now, I don't really have any aspirations or desires of, you know, kind of venturing off on my own and pioneering my own way. Like I have really cool opportunities. And for me, it's always just been about the people. It's been about the community as opposed to, um, you know, doing anything else like that. And could that change? Possibly. Um, but at least for where I'm at in my life right now, it's just it's just fun to be a part of it.
0: Absolutely. I think you that you really nailed it there. So speaking of trying to put out good content, then what do you think is an untapped niche that can, you know, once you get down being respectful, you get down consistency. What do you think in fantasy football is something that that a player can really niche down in and and really build an audience with?
1: Yeah, I, I threw in the show doc here a little bit. I think honestly for you, like what you do in the educational and professional background that you have is so cool because it's not something that, well, you know all the work that you've done and I can only imagine the work that you've done, you know, educationally, professionally, things like that to get to the point where, you have like the knowledge base and the experience that you have anything within the realm of like physical therapy and just kind of to put it under a broad category of like player injuries. You know, that's always something that fantasy owners deal with every single year, every single week of, well, what does the questionable tag actually mean? What is the probable tag or the doubtful tag or, you know, he did a walkthrough at practice, but he didn't actually practice, you know, what, what do all those things mean? And, you know, I think for you, you have such an awesome, you know, background and can bring something super, super unique um, that not everybody can just do or just learn on their own without having that schooling. But, you know, without having that sort of degree, um, I'm a teacher, so I'm always kind of looking at, you know, how can we make things easier for people to understand? You know, we have so much access to data. We have more information now than like we've ever had access to players, stats, film, coach speak, articles, beat writers, all of these things we don't always know what to do with it. So one thing I always try to tell people when they're like, well, there's so much, you know, what, what could I do as like a brand new person that's unique as opposed to like, you know, just making it my own. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Now, I'm not saying you need to take somebody else's work, but if you can kind of take a thought process that's out there and, you know, make it easy for people to consume because we're in such kind of this fast-paced society where people don't always like to, you know, we like to be spoon-fed things oftentimes if we don't want to have to work for it. Like we like convenience. For better or for worse, we do. So if you can make things more, you know, consumable, I think that's a big part. So like if you have a way to break down something into more of a visual, more of, you know, maybe you can talk about things, maybe you can write things out. If there's a unique skill or kind of a background or a passion that you have that you can make things more consumable, I would say like for your average everyday fantasy football player, I think there's always room for that for even for, you know, as saturated as the community is getting just with content, I think breaking down and making things easier to understand is always welcome.
0: That's you, boom, you nailed it, man. That's such a great answer. I think that's so right. I, I think that a lot of times if you're thinking to yourself, I oh, I can't find a niche or, you know, I don't have anything necessarily that I think I can add or contribute to because it's such a saturated market. But really when you look at it, uh, there, there's a lot of content and there's a lot of information, but there, it doesn't mean that it's all good information or applicable information. And I really appreciate the, the shout out that you're giving me too, uh, with the injury stuff. And that, that means a lot to me. I still struggle and I'm still learning every day to how to take some information that I think is, is cool. And I think is like actionable, but in reality it's not. And I still have a hard time picking and choosing what I think, you know, the general public and population might use to their advantage when it comes to fantasy stuff. But what the point I'm trying to make here is if it's, it's, it's saturated, but it's not as um, it. Let me put it this way. It's a wide market, but it's in a lot of, in a lot of aspects, it's not a very deep market. And if you can take advantage of sort of like you were saying, the, the making things easier to read, consuming content, refining content, even, even refining content, putting your own content behind that, Um, I know Dr. Kevin Murray, he has like his, his site where he has basically the entire industry right on his site. And he just refines and categorizes it by this person's good at stats. This person's good at DFS. This, these are the injury people. And he refines all the information and gives a little bit of credibility to, to all of them that are on there. Right. And that's, that's something that I think is super important. So that's a good point. I think if you want to find a niche, there's always a niche in refining and combing through the information. So that's, that's a great point. What would you say then, um, speaking of all the different topics that were that 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 you could potentially have in fantasy football, what's your favorite topic in fantasy football?
1: Yeah, I'm not even sure how I kind of fell into this, but ever since I started kind of either just doing my own research last year, like even before I got into writing officially for a site, I would just do kind of this fun thing of like, hey I'll, I'm doing like data requests like, Throw me a a thought that you think if there's a correlation between two random variables, I'll go look it up for you and tell you if you are onto something or not, just to kind of keep myself busy. Um, And it was a cool way to kind of get to know people, kind of build my own brand a little bit, if you will. I didn't even know what I was doing at the time. Um, But wide receivers, I don't know why or how. Um, I think just because there's so many and because as the league just gets more pass heavy, there's like probably you know, 70 to 80, like draftable wide receivers in any given league. I mean, obviously every team has got their one. A lot of teams have, you know, their wide receiver two and three, depending on their league size, could have a bench spot, could start for you for a week, could put up a, a good week in a best ball league where you don't have to worry about starting lineups. Um, and then as I got a little bit more comfortable with it, I've started to kind of look at Devi, and not in the sense where I like, I look at, you know, college film and things like that, but I've spent a little bit more time looking at rookies as they come in, really just, you know, at, after they declare. I don't really do any any college scouting, any film like that, at least not at this point in time. But yeah, I, I don't know. Just wide receivers has kind of a, been a fun little niche for me. And I've expanded and done articles on running backs and tight ends and things like that. But I was going of find myself circling back to wide receivers, and I'm not really sure why.
0: You're wide out of heart, man.
1: Apparently, I, apparently I, I, I have zero football background at all yeah, playing, okay. but
0: like, not, like literally none of us do. There, mm-hmm. I, I, I literally played football in high school, and that's about it. Yep. Um, which is why I always think it's, and this is sort of a, a different topic for a different day. But when you say, Oh, I have no, you know, football background, whatever, none of us really do. And at the end of the day, does it really matter? Because it's just like one of those things, it's like saying to an OBGYN physician. Uh, like, well, you've never had a baby because you're a guy. I don't trust you to deliver my baby. Like, that's ridiculous, right? It's especially a fair, it's a a fair comparison. Right. It's like, it's especially in a field that's just not. It's not that serious, right? There's no such thing as going to fantasy football education school, right? Maybe like if you're like a statistics person or something like that. But I think, <laughs> I think that sometimes we take ourselves a little bit too seriously. And At the
1: end you, of the day, we're all guessing.
0: Exactly. At the end of the day, we're all guessing. And so, yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about, oh, do you have a football background? Do you, do you not? You'll end up finding your niche just like Sam did. Um, I think that I, that's a pretty relatable story. There are a lot of different niches that I found just by sort of doing it, right? Just by saying, oh, I'm going to sit down and write today. And then you sort of dig into all of these different topics um, that you find yourself interested in. And eventually that could even become your niche. So there you go. That sort of sort of like rounds out everything, everything that we uh, we just talked about. Um, So moving on a little bit here, speaking of like wide receivers and, and how that, you know, when they're coming out of college and their landing spots and stuff like that, how what what have you found in your research? I know you put out an article over at Roto right, talking about landing spots. How how does that talk to me a little bit about landing spots and what it means in terms of fantasy football?
1: Yeah, this is an area where I tend to lean heavily on other people that are way smarter than me, who do more research than me, and can kind of tell me at least what variables and what things to look at. Not that they should like tell me how to think, but at least kind of point me in the right direction because. You know, kind of even circling back to that niche for a second, as we kind of lead into this question, there's so much out there and there's so many different things to look into and to know. Don't be afraid to not know something. That's okay. Like if you don't know a statistic, a film thing, whatever you don't really know, that's okay. Be willing to admit that, but be willing to kind of lean on people who, like, that's their area of expertise. You know, we can all we can all be couch coaches on the weekend and say, oh, well, this is what should have happened, but I don't really have anything to back it up with. Um, but for me, I really think talent, in my personal opinion, is better than situation, just because situation is so fluid. We never know. I mean, I just look at A.J. Brown last year, and he's just like my personal favorite player, so I'm never going to not take a chance to talk about him, at least for a quick second. He had all the great things on paper coming in, great athlete, great college numbers, all of these things, solid draft capital. Goes to a team that just looks just god awful on paper. No no one would have ever predicted at the beginning of the season that Ryan Tannehill would have been like his best quarterback for the majority of the season. Like the talent never went. I mean, nobody did. Right, exactly. So like the talent never went away. And so there's people that are that would say like, look, you know, I drafted AJ Brown super high in rookie drafts because he was super talented. Knowing that, okay, yeah, the Titans are kind of bad and they've made Corey Davis, who looked great, pretty bad. But right now, I mean, A.J. Brown's kind of like a, a fast-rising dynasty asset. I mean, even other rookies from that class, Terry McLaurin just went to just a bad offense and, you know, with kind of a rotating carousel of quarterbacks in Washington, DK Metcalf, Marquise Brown, freak athletes. They went to really, really rush, rush heavy teams, but flashed and did really, really well and are kind of ascending talents in dynasty. So don't get turned away by um, by landing spot just because we never know. Guy could get hurt. Quarterback could up and retire like Andrew Luck. Wide receiver could tear an ACL in training camp. I mean, so many things are out of our control, and you can kind of decide as your own, you know, as your own fantasy owner how much you want to weigh those variables. That's fine. Um, but for me, I mean. If if the talent is there, if the talent shows up on film, if it shows up on paper, I'm not as concerned about landing spot. Especially because oftentimes super talent talented players get drafted to bad teams because they have the higher draft capital. Now that's not always the case. Um, but yeah, for me, give me the talent.
0: Talent all day. I agree. I, I couldn't be I couldn't be with you more. I mean, look at Terry McLaurin, right? Talented dude terrible terrible place to be at least on the surface when you when you looked at it at the beginning of 2019 and then look what he look what he ended up doing right dude just Um, balled out (laughs) he just balled out out of his mind Mm -hmm. the same thing for for darius slayton how these the rookies from last year too speaking specifically about wide receivers that ended in in sort of quote-unquote bad landing spots too their quarterback situations weren't you know terrible but okay here's one where where i think it sort of plays to your point deontay johnson dude balled out on a per game basis. I think he averaged like as a rookie, I think he averaged like eight or nine points. I'd have to double check myself. I have a bad habit of of like doing things off the top of my head and being wrong, but it's the talent that matters. Right. And I think that sometimes it goes back to what I said earlier, like fantasy, fantasy people, fantasy players, managers, we just overthink things because of all that data. We're just inundated with data and numbers and, and analysts saying, do this and do that. And sometimes it's just like a paralysis, you know, by analysis type thing. So basically, you're saying trust the talent. If you believe in the talent and you want to go get your dude, and you think he's going to be fine, then then go do it, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, you know, we just, we have so much. We second guess ourselves so much, and you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people that say you know, like, this is why I like fast drafts. I don't like slow drafts because the, the slower the draft, there's an eight hour clock. I screw up my pick more times than not because I sit there and think, well, what about this? Well, here's this other thing that I didn't think of that. In reality, probably doesn't matter, but I'm going to influence it and, you know, switch my pick.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And so that's, I, I agree, honestly. I think that a, a slow draft is a lot different than, than doing it, uh, doing a doing a fast draft. I think that changes things a lot. Um, you default when it's a, when it's a fast draft, you sort of default to, okay, this is what my gut tells me. And I think that people who will sort of, uh, tout themselves as I'm a statistics person, I'm a statistics person. will. Statistics, statist, stats, and and science, and and medicine, and everything that we look at to make these decisions—that's also. I mean, it's not. It's all objective. It's it's written in stone. Mm-hmm. What matters is how you interpret it, and right. whether these. Be, a lot of people don't realize that when you are making a decision, even though even if you're using data and information, you are still going with what you think subjectively that data might might end up being, and so you're more subjective than you than you think you're being with. I think data. that so.
1: Yeah, I think that circles back really well to um, to oh shoot, I just had a thought and there it went. Oh, um, like making things easier to understand for people, like you said, you know, because honestly, like somebody could hand me, you know, just a box of film on a player and say, hey, watch this, you know, and you'll see exactly why I like this player or I don't like this player. You know, there's all the data right there. Like there's the film. That's that's what we have. That's entirely objective. I don't know what I'm looking at. Like I don't I don't know like well, that looks like a good release off the line or not. Like, I, hey, look, that guy got open. Great. I'm like, oh, did you see that? Did you catch that little subtle move he made right before this? I'm like, I sure. You know, you could hand me a spreadsheet with every piece of data in it, like ever. If I don't know what I'm doing with it, it doesn't do me any good. Like, you can give me all the tools in the toolbox, but if I don't know how to use them, I, I might as well have not have anything at all because I'm just going to revert back to, like you said, kind of my subjective gut feeling every time.
0: And I think that's that's like a good point to to consider too is it's okay to go with your gut. If you've done your homework, if you've researched and and, and read articles from people like for like people like Sam, if you've looked over at fantasypoints.com, shameless plug, there we go. At that, if you looked at that information and you are in a draft, like you're gonna eventually go with your gut at some point, and that's okay because you put in the work and that's all right.
1: Yeah, trust your training.
0: Exactly. So moving on, so assuming, zooming in a little bit here. What, wh- who would you say, um, from a fantasy perspective, which is the hardest back backfield to sort of decode? I think I said hardest backfired. Uh, I meant to see, say backfield.
1: Ah, fair enough. Things? I didn't even catch that. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the one that I picked, I, I did a series of articles on these. I looked at the 49ers the Ravens, the Dolphins, the Texans, the Packers, and the Browns as backfields that have potentially multiple intriguing fantasy assets, both for redraft and for dynasty I did a little bit of a deeper dive on the Browns for this question simply because they have two legitimate like wide or running back one talents on their roster with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you know, both guys who have finished as wide receiver ones as running backs in their career. And this has been a fun one to kind of see the community hash out. And it was kind of fun to, you know, throw my own two cents in there and say, Hey, kind of based on the research that I've done, here's kind of what I think can happen. Um, we, we know what Nick Chubb can do. He's a phenomenal rusher. He's one of, I would say, probably one of the best pure running backs in the league, but he doesn't offer a ton in the way of receiving work. And, because you know, because they don't
0: give it to a man, oh, it's so frustrating. Sorry it's, tr- it's true. It's true. No, I so mean,
1: my, my, my quick sidebar of that is I, I've heard people compare, you know, Jonathan Taylor kind of having a, a similar like running back profile as Nick Chubb as being like a phenomenal rusher. And people will say, oh, well, Jonathan Taylor isn't a pass catching back. I live in Wisconsin. I'm from Wisconsin, watched a lot of badger games over the years. So this is kind of my fan bias a little bit. They never used him as a pass catching back. Like he, he can, he's capable when he's given the opportunity, but yeah, anyways. So the Browns are kind of circling in here now with their third offensive coordinator and third head coach combination in the last three years, they bring over Kevin Stefanski from Minnesota. We know how successful they're rushing, um, Attack was last year with Delvin Cook, Alexander Madison. I mean, Cook had 250 rushing attempts. I think Madison had 100 rushing attempts himself, and just super productive. And people are saying, okay, well, there's going to be room for both Chubb and Hunt to be productive in that offense. And I agree, but at least based on current ADP, I want Hunt from that roster more than Chubb simply because I think you're buying Chubb at his ceiling right now, hoping that he's going to be, you know, extremely efficient in the touchdown department. I mean, last year, he was RB3 in rush attempts in the league. He had 298 rushing attempts, and that fell in right behind um, both Derrick Henry and Ezekiel Elliott, who were just a handful of carries in front of him. I mean, so Chubb essentially had, you know, 300 carries for just a shade under 1,500 yards and eight touchdowns, averaged over five yards a carry, extremely efficient. I know he had some pretty poor luck in the red zone. There's some stat floating around that I have to look at, but he had like, you know, 15 rush attempts from like, the one yard line and had like negative yards on multiple of those or something like that. Like he easily easily could have had like four or five more touchdowns, like with some positive regression. But I mean, I I don't know. Is he going to get 300 carries this year? I was kind of looking back at the last just three years of quick information. 300 carries is about the most we see from any running back in any given year. And those are usually from running backs that are like the alpha running backs on their team. The Zeke Elliott's, Derrick Henry's when they're really not giving up any other work to anybody else. I mean, even Delvin cook last year only played 14 games, but he had 250 carries. So would he have gotten 50 more carries in those other two games? Probably not, especially if they were making a playoff push. Well, maybe, maybe not, but I mean, he already averaged over five yards a carry. He scored eight touchdowns. I just don't know how much more he can grow without really becoming uber efficient in the red zone. So for hunt, especially in PPR formats, and just the way of the scoring, you know, I, I didn't make it up, but one reception is worth way more than one rush attempt on average. Right. Like you, you just get a point, like you can catch it for zero yards and you get a point where normally that takes 10 yards of running. And, you know, you can look at the splits from, from hunt and Chubb last year and Nick Chubb fell off pretty hard. Once cream hunt joined, I mean, cream hunt had 45 catches in eight games or 45 targets in eight games. Hunt had 50 all year. Um, Will there be room enough for them to both be successful next year? I I definitely think so. This is not a knock on Chubb at all. I still think he's probably going to finish as a back-end RB1. But where he's being drafted, I would rather probably take somebody else in that range. And I think Kareem Hunt's going to have standalone value, flex value, maybe back-end RB2 value almost every week. And if something were to happen to Chubb, I mean, Hunt's probably a top-six running back.
0: I think that... um... I was really just sorry. I was trying to digest everything you just said because there's so much information. Yeah, I kind of threw a lot of
1: shit. Sorry about that.
0: No, 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 no. I'm saying like, I, I honestly hadn't thought that deeply about this backfield, but that really does that really does make a lot of sense because when you consider that you have two dudes who are sort of, in a way, you have sort of uh, polar opposites, right? You have a guy who catches balls out of the backfield uh, and is 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 a good running back, right? In Kareem Hunt. Um, but then you have that dude who just, he takes the carries and he runs with them and he's downhill and he's good. And he has the capability to catch passes, but they just don't use him that way. Right. And eventually who, I, I know you're talking about that. The, I, I, is it, I don't want to give credit where maybe it doesn't belong. I think JJ Zacharyson potentially is, is the uh, carry or the uh, re- reception or the target over, uh, over carry uh, guy that found that statistics. That's a great statistic to use. But yes, um, I agree 100%. I think that having hunt, Uh, Like you said, you know, he had 45 targets in eight games. That's something that I don't necessarily want to pass up, especially at the price.
1: Yeah, I mean, even last year, he was kind of their de facto wide receiver three. Um, So they don't really have a third wide receiver right now. You know, OBJ Jarvis Landry, you know, they have multiple athletic tight ends, but At this point in time, I mean, Hunt's going to get work. He's too talented not to. And, you know, I just see people like, well, you know, Chubb's going to get, you know, he's going to be even better this year with, you know, Stefanski coming over. He's going to bring over that offensive scheme that made Delvin Cook so successful. And, you know, kind of playing fast and loose with the numbers. Like I said, Hunt had or Chubb pretty much had 300 carries for 1,500 yards last year. Like, what, what more can he do? I mean, he's not going to get 350 carries. Like offenses don't run that way anymore in the NFL. I mean, running back right. by committee is often better for real football. It sucks for fantasy because we, you know, we want our guy to get the volume, but he's going to have to score probably double digit, you know, 12, 14 touchdowns, I think, on top of whatever volume he has to pay back on ADP. And I'm just not willing to take that chance.
0: Right. Especially if you aren't a big believer in the Browns offense in general in terms of mm-hmm. maybe just the Browns in general, right? If yeah. you think that they'll struggle again or they'll be an average, you know, eight and eight team fight fighting for a playoff spot at the end of the year. Um, those carriers are going to eventually just, dis- you know, dissipate towards the end of the year as they're trying to maybe stay in games or they're trying to, you know, put, put the pedal on the accelerator or whatever the case may be. And that's going to be a Kareem Hunt situation.
1: Yep. I mean, every year we have the Browns kind of off season, circus of there's so much talent on that offense are they actually going to produce something
0: oh my god there's like if there's ever i think in 20 years if they stay as bad as they are they're going to be like uh you know the 30 for 30 the the best that never was mm-hmm. so they're going to do an entire they could do an entire series on this team of the Browns. they should 2019-20 it's bad it's so insane how much talent they have Um, so moving on here now, you you sort of did touch on this already, right? So talking about the most, you know, the hardest backfield to decode and you went in the direction of the Browns, what would you say is the most valuable backfield in fantasy football and one that maybe is being overlooked?
1: Yeah, I, I hesitate to say, you know, valuable with this one because of how pass heavy they were last year, but I think it's the dolphins. And I think they're interesting from a running back perspective because they brought in two new guys to be the backfield. You know, we look at some of these other backfields and they either drafted a rookie um, like the Ravens did or the Packers did or, you know, they traded for a guy like the Texans did, but they still have like an incumbent running back. The Dolphins pretty much reset the running back room by bringing in both Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. So we're kind of left with two guys who, you know, they'll both get work, I'm sure, but how they're going to be used and I think depending on how your roster construction is built. Both could be great options for, you know, if you go like zero running back, you don't get Jordan Howard till later than, you know, fifth, sixth round, something like that. I mean, you're getting a starting running back at that point in time. Um, the article I did on the Dolphins backfield, I had to go back and look at this and I, I knew this about Jordan Howard, but it was like just fascinating to see it again. Since he entered the league in 2016, so the last four years, he has the third most rushing attempts of any running back in the league behind zeke and todd Gurley, like the dude just a grinder and he's kind of like an old-fashioned you know running back just in the way that he runs um kind of like Chubb doesn't offer a ton in the way of the receiving game i mean he gets receiving work um even as a rookie he had 50 targets as a rookie 32 a second year then 27 and then only 14 this last year but he only played in 10 games but I mean, his carry count for his first three years was never below 250 for three years. He was just getting volume. And if you can get kind of a cheap volume back, which on an offense that I think is going to be better than it was last year, I mean, the division is tough, don't get me wrong, but I mean, somebody's going to get the running back work there. And if they're close, Howard's going to get the goal line work, opposed to Breed. I mean, Howard stands at about six feet 224. Breed is about 5'10", 190. I mean, so Howard's going to get the work when they get in close. And if he's a two down back and a decent offense, that's fine. I mean, he's a starting running back in the NFL and you'll probably get him after RB 32.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that uh, the the thing that most players overlook, fantasy football managers overlook, I think is the simplicity, like what you just broke down. So it's not, this isn't even necessarily go with your gut. This is just, I mean, look at the, look at the numbers. and, And in this case, the numbers pretty, pretty clearly tell you, Hey, This could be, you know, some sort of value at the end of drafts, or this could be, you know, at least a player that helps you get over the hump or, or maybe a a fill and flex play. I think we look at players and like, even me, I, I phrase this question as, Hey, what do you think, you know, what do you think is the most valuable backfield potentially? Mm -hmm. And maybe that's not even the best way to look at it. Maybe the best way to look at it is, Hey, who is a mid to late round player? Who's going to be solid, could potentially contribute more, give you some sort of floor and potentially have a ceiling right? And, and in this case, this is sort of what you're talking about, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at some running backs, and depending on how you want to build your roster, if you go wide receiver heavy or running back heavy, I mean, if you go kind of zero running back or you kind of load up on either wide receiver a tight end, an early quarterback early either in your redraft or your dynasty league, you, you look at guys like Jordan Howard, David Montgomery, Sonny Michel, names that just don't really inspire a lot of confidence. But I mean, all three of those guys could have 225 carries this year like they're just cheap volume and if they get six seven eight touchdowns or maybe they you know get lucky and have a couple multi-touchdown games and you get like 10 12 touchdowns out of those guys and you load up your roster early with talented wide receivers and you grab travis kelsey i mean that's cheap fantasy production you know there's some risk there because i mean montgomery should be more involved in the passing game but none of those guys are pass catchers i mean so you're really just hoping for just pure volume and touchdown efficiency
0: Exactly. I, I couldn't agree more. Is there anybody else that you potentially are looking at or maybe someone that even within the last couple of days in Scott Fishbowl that you picked up or saw or got sniped from where you said, Oh, you know what? I think that's somebody I might have overlooked. What is maybe, maybe a receiver or a tight end. It could be anybody. Yeah.
1: Um, I actually just grabbed in the 13th round, Tony Pollard from Dallas. He's a guy I'm really oh, excited dude, about. I wanted him. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. Um, just for how great he was last year, in limited work. Um, you know, that's an offense that's loaded with talent across the board. They have a lot of guys that are going to command a lot of work. And, you know, on one hand, you can say Pollard's no more than a handcuff to Zeke. He's a high end handcuff. I would say probably one of the more valuable ones is from a pure talent perspective. But, I mean, he's going to get standalone work, I'm pretty sure. Now, I don't know exactly how Mike McCarthy is going to run. The Dallas offense. I love the offensive he's coordinator going to run down there.
0: straight into the ground, Sam. That's what. That's oh, how he's going to run. <laughs> I
1: know. I mean, I'm a I'm Packers fan, and I lived through it for a while. But oh man, oh, it's man. fine. I mean, you know, good for him for getting another chance at the NFL. I mean, you know, I, I hope he's successful. I hope he does well. Um, but I'm just curious to see how he's going to deploy Pollard in the backfield. So, I mean, I got him at RB 45 in the 13th round in the Scott Fish Bowl. So nice. Yeah, I mean, that's that's value there. I, I like it a lot. I mean, I took him right after. I took him right between. Alexander Madison and Kerryon Johnson so that's kind of the, the the tier that he fell into at least for my draft but yeah he's a guy that I think for dynasty you could still probably get for relatively cheap simply because Zeke's going to get like 350 touches like every year that he's healthy so you know just from a from a single season perspective Pollard probably doesn't offer you a ton but he's a guy that I think has has quite a bit of standalone value anyways
0: There you go. Tony Pollard. I like that. I like that one a lot. I was just uh, looking today. I think we were, I think it was the same round. It might've been 13 or 14. And uh, I drafted, I don't remember who I got. And then the next person drafted and they picked up Tony Pollard. And I said, what on earth? How did I miss it? The dude was still on the board, but yeah, I was mad at myself for not, for not picking him up. So that's a, that's a really, really good, good pickup here. So to back to sort of finish up here, let you get out of here. What would you say? Who's your AFC favorite?
1: AFC favorite, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go chalk. It's boring, but I'm picking the Chiefs to, to repeat um, representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. Uh, they're, they're just too talented, top to bottom. they got a $500 million quarterback now who's just fun to watch, and they grabbed a running back in the first round that's probably going to be one of the top rookie running backs and is probably going to be a top-10 dynasty running back by this point next year. Like It's awesome. boring, but I, I can't argue with the talent that they have and the coaching that they have.
0: Well, guess what, Sam? I'm gonna make you argue the talent. Why? Give me a reason why the Baltimore Ravens could beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. This oh, so
1: all you want me to go thought. kind of against my pick here and tell you why the Ravens will beat the Chiefs? Yes. Um, their defense and their run game, and just because Lamar Jackson, I think, could you know is a game changer at, at any point. In, at any point, um, and the Ravens kind of built the backfield a little bit more as well they grabbed jk dobbins who i absolutely loved coming out of college i think he fits in really well with that offense i think lamar jackson grows a little bit as a passer this year you know they kind of added by subtraction well not necessarily but you know they kind of added just by getting what i think is going to be a healthier marquise brown i may i may defer to you there to let me know how healthy is he going to be this year but he flashed he flashed well in limited work last year what was that
0: go get him sorry hand her up to you but i'm so excited about marquise brown good sorry good no I that's, you. No, that's go fantastic ahead. i
1: had to i had to double check to make sure you were all in on him yet so i mean he's gonna get you know he's gonna be healthy he'll be in his second year now mark andrews is probably still gonna be the number one pass catcher on that team you know they added devin duvernay james prochet i'm just glad that their wide receiver 2 isn't just going to be kind of like willie sneed by default i mean it might be early on but yeah i mean i like that they added a couple of um offensive pieces there they lost the quality offensive lineman which is going to be a bummer but i mean they're, they're my pick for the afc championship game is going to be the chiefs and the ravens like they're just so talented across the board they're both super well coached and they're just fun franchises to root for
0: absolutely i couldn't agree more now let's walk through the nfc Who's your favorite Man, nfc
1: it's going to be a little chalky again but um i just lead, i lean on coaching you know I, I like players that are talented obviously but so the 49ers are one for sure I think Shanahan's one of the better coaches in the league. He just gets the most out of his players across every position. Um, so when you buy offensive players, you're like you're buying into the Shanahan system. So whether you're a Debo Samuel guy, you know a Brandon Ayuk fan coming out as a rookie, backfield's phenomenal. I don't think Raheem Mostert's going anywhere. I think he has zero leverage as a back at his age with his kind of lack of production up until this past year. And I think the 49ers throw him a little bit more money and they keep him because he's valuable to that team. We saw what he was able to do last year um, late in the regular season and throw at the playoffs. Um, but actually, I don't have the 49ers going to the Super Bowl this year. I have them losing to the Saints this year.
0: Plot twist.
1: Plot twist, right. Um, obviously, I want the Packers to go. I don't think it's going to happen. They were kind of the luckiest 13-3 and team ever last year. Didn't oh, feel one. like Absolutely. it. I mean, I'm a fan, so I'm biased whenever it comes to the Packers. But I'm looking at this team. I'm like, how did we beat 13 teams? Like, how? Like, we so got. I was bu-
0: looking. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you because this. <laughs> is, this no, is something That somebody, somebody on Twitter at, at one point in like February said something about how the Packers were so fantastic this year, and I so I went back and I looked at it, and legitimately they were like the the combined record of all the teams they beat uh, was literally below 500 by like by like almost 10 games oh don't tell me that
1: that.
0: (laughs) it was unbelievable
1: i mean they beat the chiefs but that was without patrick mahomes late in the season exactly but like yeah oh but anyways yeah so um i i just think the saints are they they just seem to kind of be stuck like whether they're unlucky in the playoffs or whatever but i mean their offense is going to put up points as well as anybody in the NFC. I mean, Drew Brees, is, I think he's got a, a good chance to win one more Super Bowl here before he retires. Their backfield is great. Receiving core got better. You know, the addition of Emmanuel Sanders, good veteran there. I think their defense is pretty good. I just, yeah. I mean, they, they play all their games inside. The NFC South is a ton of fun to watch just for fantasy, but I'm going to give the edge to the Saints this year getting past the Niners into the Super Bowl.
0: All right, no explanation on this next question. I didn't ask you this one. Oh, yeah, I did. I did. So who's, so who's going to win Super Bowl? uh chiefs final score
1: 35 28 i'll keep it boring
0: Ooh, 35 28 that's that's a high scoring super Bowl. watch that i was i was gonna go like it's drew Brees. after all. i was gonna say like 47 45 or something yeah, i hope
1: so i yeah, want to would
0: that be god that's like that'd be like the anti-2018 super bowl that was awful right that was gross in the, the rams That was terrible it was gross <laughs> disgusting okay Wrap, we're gonna wrap up here with a lightning round of questions that I'm gonna ask you. Okay?
1: Oh boy,
0: we don't want any uh, we don't want any context, we don't want to know why, we just want to hear you. Zero right. RB or zero wide receiver?
1: Ooh, zero RB,
0: hip hop or K pop? Hip hop, Lamar or Mahomes,
1: Lamar Jackson.
0: <laughs> I like that one. Uh, Backstreet Boys are in sync,
1: in sync, easy. Come on,
0: beautiful Friday Night Lights, the movie or the series? Movie, awesome. And what about uh, fantasy football content, reading or podcasts? Or Give me reading. Really? You're a reader? I guess you're a teacher. That's huge.
1: Yeah, you don't want context, Tupac. so I'm not going to explain. Yeah,
0: right, right, right. Yes, you're right, you're right, you're right. I'm the worst. Okay, Tupac or Biggie? Tupac. Okay, Dynasty or Redraft? Dynasty. Okay. Whew. Now, you know, everything about Sam, we just peered into his soul. That's the, it. That's the, all you need to know. <laughs> literally the hardest working dude in the industry. Go follow him at S Wallace underscore FF. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing though. Uh, we have parting band aid shots. So essentially, you know, it's a band aid piece of advice uh, here on the injury prone fantasy football podcast that will help to heal either the fantasy community or the world. What is a, a small piece of advice that can be, that can be used as a band aid? For, for Who
1: uses a bandit? I like this. Put me on the spot. Um, honestly, and it's it sounds so so cliche, but it's not. But just be a decent person. Like it, it's it's so easy just to be kind to other people, and it's so easy to get kind of riled up, especially on social media when you're not seeing people face to face. It's so easy to you know take offense to things that someone didn't mean to read into a tweet the wrong way that you think may have been directed at you. But honestly, just giving somebody a little bit of a plug, showing some kindness that way—it's—it's it's not hard. Just be a good person. At the end of the day, like I said at the beginning of the show, the community's always been my favorite part of this, and they continue just to inspire and humble me all the time, which is great. But yeah, just be a good person. It's—it's it's not difficult, and it makes everybody better.
0: I really like that, man. I think that uh, everybody, especially these days, could use a little bit of that. And even if it is cliche, it can still be valuable, and it is valuable because that's something that I try to live by myself and it's awesome. It's, it's much appreciated that you would emphasize that. So thanks man. That's, that's actually really great. So again, everybody go follow at S Wallace underscore FF on Twitter. Look at his stuff that he's put out on Rotoviz. You got anything else you want to plug anything else you want to say?
1: No, I mean, you've, you've covered it all for me. So thank you so much again for having me on. This was a lot of fun and I hope we get a chance to chat some more in the future.
0: Absolutely, man. Thanks again for coming on. It means a lot. So, everybody go rate and review this episode because uh, Sam's the man and he's a fan favorite and you know, you want to give him five stars, right? You know, you want him to come out on top here and I'm sure this will get a ton of downloads and it should, he just gave a ton of good information. So for Sam Wallace, for Edwin Porras, that's it.